Alex, I, I heard that you're feeling terrific. Uh, you want to host the show, and you mostly just want to talk the entire time. Uh, what was that? Uh, Is this uh, your new rhyming scheme for uh, writing reviews? Like you're taking a cue from Child of Light? <laughs> You're I, sick. Yeah, I'm not well. I haven't been what, well all week. What happened? I don't know. I caught a cold, I think on Monday or something, and I've felt progressively sicker every day this week uh, outside of uh, outside of today, where I feel a little bit better than I did yesterday, though my throat is totally thrashed from two and a half hours of power bomb casting last night, which was such a bad <laughs> idea for so many reasons. Oh my god. Yeah, the thing you should do uh, when you feel deeply ill is scream about sweaty wrestlers for two and a half hours. I hear it really clears your throat. Yeah, you know, it clears out the throat, gets all the gunk out of there, you know, really uh, loosens up the mind in a lot of ways uh, and probably destroys it. I don't know. Uh, I I did cut back on talking a little bit uh, compared to everyone else last night, but yeah, still, that wasn't enough to stop my throat from wanting to die this morning. So, so is, is this the kind of when you were at the worst... The kind of sick where you can kind of be like, oh, it's like a, it's a shitty vacation. I can like play a game. I can at least do something. Or is it like the kind of ill where you cannot do anything and you like desperately want it to go away? Well, it's not the kind of ill where I can't do anything. Uh, Wednesday was the closest I got to that, but I was still able to function. The problem is that it's not the kind of sick where I'm having a shitty vacation because I work from home anyway. So if anything, <laughs> it's just I'm doing what I would normally be doing, but everything hurts and I can't breathe through my nose. So that's not really it really. There's no there's no benefit whatsoever. Well, that's unfortunate. Did you, did you get to play any games while you were sick? I did. Were... I played a couple of games. Uh, the first of which I believe you played some of as well. Uh, I've played a decent chunk of uh, Child of Light at this point. Yeah, uh, the new Ubisoft downloadable game that it's using that U- UbiArt yeah. technology, uh, which yeah. theoretically allows them to cram out uh, a, a higher percentage of you know high risk, you know, relatively so games. Uh, in a in a quick period of time, what do you, yeah. what, do you th- what do you think of it? Uh, you know, I mean, the thing about the Ubi art, apart from that engine being apparently easy to develop for, is that all the art tends to look pretty fucking fantastic, and that is definitely the standout feature of Child of Light. It looks absolutely fantastic. The art style is really great. I like the character designs a lot. The animation looks amazing. Like visually, it is resplendent. It is awesome. The rest of the game is where it's starting to fall apart a little bit for me. Uh, I'm about, I think I'm almost to the chapter seven. Um, and I think there are only ten chapters, uh, but I could be wrong about that. Um, so far, the combat has not endeared itself to me terribly well. Um, it's not bad, it's just really easy. I'm playing on the default difficulty, and it feels like, you know, just going through the regular battles, I am obliterating most comp- non-boss competition uh, and there's a lot of it I mean you can skip a decent amount of the combat there are ways to to get around you know random enemies in the world and so you don't have to do that but then you don't level up as much you don't gain as many items and stuff but you also kind of don't need to because it is not a terribly difficult game and because of that all the battles start to kind of run together is just this like one long string of you hitting the same attack combinations over and over again which is not super fun to me i don't know if you've had the same experience or not but no i have it's i'm surprised that you don't have more combat options available to you that's kind of like that's even though the combat is is not particularly difficult yeah uh, what's becomes apparent and unfortunate even within the first two and a half hours which is about what I've played is you just don't have a lot of options in combat there's just not that much going on you know it, it, the the way the action moves at the pace that it moves implies or would have looked to an outside observer like a whole lot of strategy and and stuff is happening but it's it's really not you're basically just you know slowing down the most powerful enemy. And then, you know, trying to line up your attacks so they interrupt the other enemy's attacks so that they get 
you know, sent back to the start of the line uh, in terms of being able to execute an action. But yeah. even that stuff I found you kind of don't need to mess with. The game's not challenging enough that you really need to worry too much about the order of actions, and you can kind of just keep mashing on your standard slash attack or tumble, as the case may be for the other character. Well, and you get more characters that have some other different attacks. Like, there's one guy who has all elemental attacks, uh, so he has different types of things that will, you know, play into the different weaknesses of, of various enemies. There's another one who is, uh, I, I won't spoil it, but there's, a, there's another girl character you pick up who has uh, some, like, the ability to speed up in your, your team and slow down other enemies. Uh... I've heard that the combat is significantly more challenging on expert level, as it should be, uh, so I may try that out before I review it, just to kind of get a sense of like how much better that makes the combat. Because more challenging doesn't necessarily make it more fun, but I want to no, see no, how it is. Sure. Um, and the story's also not doing a whole hell of a lot for me. The whole rhyming thing is cute, but it starts to wear thin. Uh, I don't I'm, even know if it's cute. It, it's it was not cute well, for like 20 minutes. It's not, it's not well done. Yeah, it's it's a little awkward. The the character who can't who keeps fucking up the rhymes, like that's funny twice, but they just keep doing that over and over and over again and it's just like there are times when they rhyme words that don't rhyme and but they think they do. Like tra they try they rhyme tragedy with something that did not rhyme with tragedy and I remember yelling at the the screen and then coughing a lot when I did that. Uh it's not it's not that endearing. It's really not. I mean, yeah, it's like you encounter a like the first major boss I found he's like you cannot stay and then your character goes I'll turn you into clay yeah and then cut to boss battle I just I wanted to delete the game <laughs> you know I it it tries way way too hard I think yeah. is is the issue there it's not that it can't have a little fun you know, with a, a rhyming scheme, even if it wants to poke fun at itself for not uh, pulling it off all the time, but it just overuses it to the point where, unless you're capable of writing on a level that this makes sense, you shouldn't be doing it. And Child of Light isn't doing it. Yeah, and I, like, I totally get what they're going for. The problem is that. It comes off like a bunch of people who looked at some, you know, like storybook style stuff right before they made this game and then just tried to make it like that versus, you know, like a genuine sort of uh, homage to that kind of storybook storytelling. Like it feels forced in a way that is not altogether enjoyable. Um, and it's too bad because, again, I think the characters are really cute. I think the the art style is amazing. I think the music's really good. The like, music is the, really good. The That's... aesthetic qualities of that game are fantastic. It's just the actual game part is not really doing a whole hell of a lot for me. Yeah, the the combat. I do like the, like the premise of the concept, the, yeah. the combat, where it's not just, you know, it is turn-based, but you can interrupt turns and you can... Uh, modify the order in which attacks are happening and you know you uh, often are using a defense a defensive maneuver called defend that has no uh, sort of casting time so you can immediately nullify uh, you know an enemy attack or at least reduce what's gonna happen so like I, I like it has a lot of really cool ideas there it just they don't really come together and like even just even fundamentally things like the skill tree i just don't understand the skill tree and how it is structured uh i mean like, it uh, looks like a confusing mess like that looking at those skill trees makes no goddamn sense but uh i don't know i mean it's like they just randomly unlock things i don't get a sense like usually when you have skill trees the reason you branch in a direction is because oh i would like to tailor my character to be more like this and in child of light they're just trees like yeah. you don't feel like you're working towards anything it wasn't even until i started looking more carefully at the tree itself that i realized oh i, I can unlock some new skills if i start going down this path but you know every single path unlocks you know speed increase or or a, uh, a dodge or, um, or strength you know, increase mp up mp up five like there is no hey i'd like to be a magic user hey i'd like to uh, to skew physical like yeah. the skill trees are just literally a random assortment of upgrades that have no rhyme or reason to them and 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 does just not feel cohesive uh in terms of trying to develop the character at the rate my characters are leveling up 
Um, and based on what I, at least anecdotally, have been told how long that game is, which is somewhere between like 10 and 12 hours at most, uh, I'm not surprised it's like that because there's probably just not enough room in that game to really let anyone specialize in anything. Uh, it's just about making your characters more powerful to deal with, you know, harder enemies as you come along. There isn't really room for that level of specificity when it comes to the, the upgrading of your characters, which is unfortunate, but, you know, when you're working within a condensed time frame and you just kind of need to get characters better for the game to go along, I guess the way they went about it makes sense. Uh, yeah, um, um, like the skill trees are basically just another form of leveling up. Mm -hmm. Like you, you level up through experience and get a skill point that just allows you to level up again. And yeah, it's 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 a game that's taking mechanics of RPGs but not applying them in a meaningful way. I and mean, you might be right that you know they they looked at the length of the game and said we're no we're not going to allow you know meaningful class specialization, but then why is there, a, you know, a skill tree at all? Just allow the, you know, just allow skills to unlock naturally through, you know, level up progression. But yeah. the fact that there is a skill tree paints a picture that you're going to be able to do more with these characters than the game actually allows. And instead, yeah. it's actually just a giant illusion of customization. And I haven't been messing too much with the the stuff you can, uh, like the, the the crafting system. I forget what the like they're crystals that you pick up. They call it, they're called something else in the yeah. game, but I, I can't remember what the term is. A, the game doesn't even explain that system until you yeah. go in. And I, 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 I got an hour and a half in, and I was collecting crystals. So in Child of Light, you can you collect these crystals, and then you can equip them, and they have uh, various abilities. And I never I didn't mess with them for the first 90 minutes because I figured, oh, at some point, the game's going to stop and go, hey, here's how this system works. Nope. Yeah, yeah, there's none of that, and it's unfortunate, but I don't know, like I said, I'm going to play through it on hard, or at least a, a good chunk of it on hard, just to kind of see if it if it becomes more interesting that way. I'm going to finish it on the normal difficulty just to get through it, but um, it's too bad. Like, I really like the concept of that game a lot. I think that a lot, uh, it seemed like everyone involved in it had their heart in the right place. It just doesn't, so far has not cohered into something that I really want to play or continue playing. Like, if I wasn't planning on writing a review for it, probably on Monday at this point, uh, I probably would... Well, I mean, I might get around to finishing it eventually, but I would not be working, like, today and tomorrow to try and get through it, because I just don't care enough. And also, I have Hearthstone sitting right in front of me, and I've now <laughs> unlocked all the basic cards for all the classes, so now I can just go Holy to work. Holy crap! Yeah. Yeah, motherfucker. What? Damn. What? That's some time. I got some cards. I got all these cards. What are you going to do? Are you going to step to my cards? And we should probably, when you're feeling better next week, we should probably play some cards. I don't need to be healthy to play Hearthstone, man. <laughs> I, can be, I can be trapped in a bubble right now with like just some horrible, horrible autoimmune disease. I can still play Hearthstone. What, uh, what have you settled on a class? Have you built a deck? I built. I mean, I've built custom decks for each of them. I haven't really messed with those custom decks too much to see what works with each one yet. Um, so far, I think, weirdly enough, my Warlock has been the most successful for me, uh, which is a, a weird, hard class to play because you constantly have to remove your own life to draw more cards. Like, that's your special ability, and all your ability, all your, uh, your special cards are either involve damaging yourself, damaging another enemy, uh, or, uh, removing cards from your deck, which is not really a super fun thing to have, but... I found a way to balance it, and I've been winning pretty regularly as a warlock, which I did not expect, and uh, so I'm into that one. I'm also pretty into the, uh, there was one other one that I was liking that I suddenly am blanking on. Uh, oh, the paladin. Paladin's good. I like the paladin, because I like throwing out those minions constantly and then boosting those minions to the point where people just can't do anything with it. Yeah, there's, I can't remember what the class is, the one, there was one I encountered where he threw down... Like a minion card, uh, and it spawned like three other minions. Yeah, so it was three other one-one beasts. But he had, you know, he had uh, then immediately played, you know, the like the orc card that can, yeah. you know, bring up one-one, and then played another one that was able to bring those guys up. And suddenly, it went from three one-one guys to like three-three, and all of a sudden, ah, oh, this I concede. Concede, this yeah. match is over. 
I got the worst one dealt to me or uh, dealt against me uh, last night. It was some uh, elite class dragon, which I had not seen before, uh, which was 8-8 eight, eight on its own. But Oof. it spawned six one one minions. Oh, shut up. Yeah. And that was it. That was the end of me. I was like, fuck it. I, I'm i not even going to fight this anymore. I've got like Just 10 health left. There is no winning this. Uninstall the game. That is, oh, man. I mean, yeah. that, that's... That seems to happen sometime in Hearthstone where you're, and maybe, you know, I think that's part of the fun sometimes as the person who gets to deal that card. And then, you know, unfortunately, sometimes you're on the other end of that. But when you get what appears to be kind of an uber card, yeah, that seems, oh my God, six minions. Whew. Yeah. And that, it's, you know, it's like a, a nine or a 10 mana play. So that's one you have to save for the end. But once you do, that's it. Like, once you get that far into the game and you're dropping that thing, like, unless you have, you know, like, the priest uh, take control of another enemy ability or something, like, you're fucked. There's nothing you can do. Someone in the chat saying, Alex, what would happen if someone came out with a wrestling CCG now that you are into Hearthstone? Oh, man. Okay, now I'm actually starting to build the mechanics of that game in my mind, and that is a really <laughs> dangerous place well, to go. When Alex leaves Giant Bomb to uh, form a Kickstarter for his, his wrestling CCG, you know where that idea came from. Oh, God, yeah. No, dude, I've, I'm already thinking about the abilities for the different cards. I'm thinking about, like, you know, which minions would come out of certain different... Oh, God, this is such a bad idea. Fuck you, whoever came up with that. God damn it. God damn it. I am ruined. I won't be able to sleep until that game is made. Damn you. There's a... um Some folks having a discussion about uh, Child of Light that I want to circle back to for, mm. for a minute. Where uh, So Maxo Power says, I'm not sure I get the no, expla no explanation uh, criticism or praise. Why is the Dark Souls is great because it doesn't explain its upgrading system, but Child of Light is poor because of it. It's not directed at Patrick in particular. I just see it more and more. Uh, as, as someone that has played Dark Souls and played Child of Light, I, I think they're both poor. I, I don't think Dark Souls should be praised for its upgrade system uh, and things of that nature, sort of fundamental mechanics just to engage with the game uh, being obtuse. I think those were negatives for Dark Souls. And, uh, you know, even though I have uh, soured a bit on Dark Souls 2, I think in terms of explaining just the very basics of how you interact with its upgrade uh, systems and, and things of that nature, uh, it, it, it does a better job of communicating that. That's not what makes yeah. Dark Souls Dark Souls. And Child of Light not explaining one of its... Uh, equipment systems is not a game being less handholdy. That's just a game not explaining a, a system uh, at all, and that's that's not good design. Like handholdy is in you know the Legend of Zelda, where Navi is constantly telling you where to go and yeah. not giving you a chance to explore to explore the world and stumble upon things yourself. Uh, it's not the game they just outright ignoring uh, a subsystem in the in the menu system and and never explaining why it's there in the first place. Yeah, I found the Oculi system totally by accident. Like I realized I was collecting Oculi. These... There you go. Yeah, I, I I didn't realize why I was collecting all those gems for a long time, and then I just found it in the menu. I was like, oh. Well, I can combine these things and make them into things. And then I started assigning them, and it's like the bonuses you get for those are fine, but you could probably get away with not really ever using that system to begin with. It feels like an idea they implemented, wanted to make better, ran out of time to do anything significant with, and just left it the way it was. It just doesn't feel like a fully fleshed out system. It just feels like something that's there because it can be, and it's something for you to collect. And I don't know. Like, there's, it, it just it didn't... Like, at this point, I feel like I could go through the rest of the game never crafting another one of those things, and I'd be A-OK. -okay. Yeah, and you could probably never interact with the skill tree and be A-OK. -okay. No, if, if, I mean, you need to do those, because those upgrades come in handy in later battles. Like, you well, need I'm to, sure, but, yeah. I, but I, I mean, it, just sort of generally speaking, it feels a bit slapdash. It feels like, hey, we want to make Child of Light a JRPG. Like, what do we put in this game? This, 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 without really understanding... Or, or creating systems that are, you know are particularly meaningful. It's more. Yeah. It feels. It feels kind of checkbox design, uh, in order for it to fit the form of a JRPG without understanding why those games, the good ones, have systems like that in order to you know give the player uh, more options tactically or you know to customize their their style of play. Yeah. Yeah. 
so yeah, that's that's kind of my feeling on Child of Light right now. It's kind of lukewarm. Um, you know, I'll try and have a, uh, I will try and have a review of that for Monday. I was going to try for today, but I still need to edit the Power Bombcast and play through the rest of that game, which I think is at least a few more hours. Um, it's okay. I think for fifteen dollars, if you like the art style and you like the the you know the aesthetics of it, I think that there's there's some worthwhile stuff in there. It's just. I, I, I'm in a way I'm kind of glad it's a short game because I don't think I would want to play a really long version of that game myself. No, no. And you know, on some level, I, I want to support this game. Yeah. Like conceptually, I, I, I'm, I'm behind want, what they're trying to do. It, but even just as a corporate initiative, yeah, as g- gross as that sounds, as it comes out of my mouth, the idea that Ubisoft is going to give their team some latitude to be a little weird to, you know, the fact that Child of Light is in a lot of ways, a, you know, a, a flawed or, or a failed game, you know, I'm glad it exists because yeah. it does look beautiful. And to see, you know, look at some of the complaints we're having about, you know, a game like Watch Dogs, a game not living up to maybe its its potential given its premise. Well, it's like, okay, if Ubisoft is going to go and do that, but also do Child of Light, uh, yeah. you know, that's... Give a little, you know, take a little. And it's a $15 game, you know? It's not, like, a huge investment of time or money. It's just something that is, you know, a, a cool little curio-type thing. And, you know, I think there's there's value in that. I just, you know, I maybe Child of Light 2 will be better if there is a Child of Light 2. <laughs> Let's hope. I don't know. I don't know. What else did you play, Patrick, besides uh, Hearthstone, which I assume you played a lot of? Uh, yeah, well, I played less of it this week, more that I was uh, explaining the game to my wife. She Right. Uh, has started actually getting into it, uh, having uh, she won her first match against a real player, which definitely was not the case for me. So maybe very quickly she's going to overtake me, uh, which wouldn't wouldn't take a whole lot. Would not take a whole lot in order to be better than me at a uh, at Child of Light or no <laughs> Hearthstone. We talked a lot about too much about Child of Light. Yeah, and um, so I started playing Hitman Go because uh. Chi- uh, Hearthstone. The servers were down earlier this week when um, my wife was going through the tutorial and then we were going to uh, face off against each other. But then uh, I I tried to log into the game and it was like, hey, uh, you'll have a table in less than a month, which I kind of love the fact that the game even is able to spit that out as yeah. a potential value, which is that you will have a table in less than a month. Like Somehow they have conceived of a world where the game is popular enough that you might have your iPad on for a month before getting a table. So so while I was waiting for the servers to come back online, I decided to uh, download Hitman Go because I've been hearing some really good things about it. Um, I you know, couldn't really get into Absolution, the last Hitman game, but I love me some Hitman, and I want to support, kind of like Child of Light, you know, just sort of weird efforts by companies to do different things with... Uh, either established franchises or, or new ones. And have you seen a lot of Hitman Go? Have you seen anything about what it is? So I haven't played it, but I've, I've watched a decent amount of other people playing that game. And it, like, aesthetically, I, like, visually, it looks like I love the style of it. Like, the, the, the stripped-down sort of board game-style presentation of that game is really rad. Uh, and mechanically, it looked really interesting. Like, it seems like they sort of... Uh, obscure a little bit of the more violent aspects of Hitman uh, for the sake of making something that's a little bit more, you know, adorably murderous. Uh, but I, it seems like, like, talk about the strategy a little bit because I don't really necessarily understand how it plays. So yeah, I mean, it's it it really does feel like you know it's an abstracted take on Hitman, and I, you know, yes, the game doesn't have uh, a lot of explicit violence because. And even Hitman, that series in general, doesn't you know sort of relish and indulge in a headshot or kills. Like you know, there is violence in Hitman. You are playing an assassin, but you know when things occur, it's not like the game cuts to a slow mo head being ripped off sort of no. thing. Oftentimes in Hitman, you don't even see the violence that you've set up. It occurs off screen on a different part of the map because you've uh, you know set something in motion. Yeah, and, it's mousetrap style murder versus you just getting in there and making the guts happen. Yeah, oftentimes in in Hitman, you know, you're walking up to a dude and strangling him and throwing him in, you know, a garbage heap. So it's there's violence, but it is not indulgent violence uh, in, in the way a lot of other video games are. And 
in, in so Hitman Go, yeah, you have this board game set up, and you can move one turn at a time. Um, you, you're dragging, you know, little Agent Forty Seven from one square to the next, and when you move, everything else on the board moves as well. So yeah. it's not just you know the game, you know, takes the idea of AI routines, which is integral to how you plan out anything in the Hitman games. Uh, on a traditional level where you're spending a lot of your time when you enter a world uh, just figuring out, okay, what is the AI doing? Where are they going? How can I interrupt that pattern? And Hitman Go is the exact same way. It's just sort of very simplified. Uh, and, uh, you know, you're whereas a, a mission in Hitman, you know, can take you an hour plus in order to pull off exactly what you're trying to do. Each of these little sections of Hitman Go, you know, are over in, you know, about a minute once you've figured out uh, exactly what's going on. And it's really satisfying, like, to to drag your little character and then get him around the corner to uh, participate in an assassination, which really is just Agent 47 slides into the character and they get knocked off the board. So uh. it's like, you know, the game is still violent. Like, you're still being sent out to kill these people and Ave Maria is going to play, but it's not... You don't actually see Agent 47 pick up a gun or, you know, have some, what's the, what do you call it, the thing where you, like, wrap it around their throat and you strangle them. Like the oh, rope. you mean, like, a strangle wire? Yeah. I mean, I don't like know a, there's, like, term. a term for that, isn't yeah. there? I don't know. I, I, I call it a strangle wire or a choke rope. <laughs> uh, that's all those I got. Good, those are good. Cho- I don't like the term choke rope. That's yeah. not. I don't like anything hey, about Patrick, that phrase. do you want to come over and see my choke rope? Uh, <laughs> So go on. What I love about Hitman Go, other than the fact that it's an extremely satisfying game, it's a very enjoyable game, is that I hope Square Enix looks at two of its recent attempts to create mobile versions of its bigger budget franchises. So you have uh, Deus Ex: The Fall, which is a mobile uh, take on Deus Ex: Human Revolution that tries to imitate systems-wise, gameplay-wise. Deus Ex Human Revolution, and that's not a game that's very fun to play on yeah. a tablet. Even though they just put out a PC version, it you can it feels like a mobile game. Yeah. And Hitman Go does not feel that way. It doesn't, you know, whereas I'm using mobile game as a pejorative to talk about Deus Ex The Fall, with Hitman Go, it just feels like they looked at Hitman and said, how can we create a new game that embodies the spirit of Hitman, what people enjoy about playing hitman and make it work in the context of a tablet or a phone yeah and they nailed it like it feels like a proper hitman game it feels like it should be called hitman and they you know they probably call it hitman because that's they have an existing franchise like they want to leverage the name but i don't you know I, i wouldn't say that it feels cheap it feels executed on as though they thought through what would hitman feel like in a simplified form and that is totally hitman go and they yeah. knocked it out of the park that sounds really good I, I i've been meaning to download that for a while uh i probably will based on your your enjoyment of it uh that it, i i like hitman and this the, the concept for this always seemed really good also there are people in the chat saying uh piano wire is one mm. thing also uh garrett or garrote g-a-r-o-t-t-e is a, a, i guess uh the type of weapon that it is generally considered i don't I don't know what that term means, but I, I don't it means know. Choke rope. I'm also a giant idiot, so you know that makes sense. Yeah, choke rope. Fuck it. Hashtag choke rope. That's what's happening right now. Uh, uh, yeah. So that's um, that's what I played. I played cool. Uh, played Hitman Go. Played Hearthstone. Played Child of Light. Uh, Katie's gonna be out of town next week, so I'll probably start playing Dark Souls Two PC. Mm. Next week, which I'm I'm interested in exploring, seeing that game awful pretty like, and I'll probably I'll probably stream some of some of that fun. I'm not sure if I'm going to play through the entire game a second time, but uh, I do want to to play it uh, and see what that PC version is like. Um, there's some uh, some news this morning, mm. Alex Navarro. They uh, mm. Activision surprising mm. turn of events. They're making another Call of Duty game what? that comes out in November. <laughs> Shut the front door. Yeah. I know. It's Who knew? Does it have guns? I think so. Does that it take seems... place in some sort of like modern but maybe slightly futuristic theater of warfare? Yes. <gasps> and it has Kevin Spacey. If I had a hat right now, it would have just like flown off my head. 
like with a little like woo kind of sound effect behind it. Yeah, so Call of Duty Advanced Warfare. Uh, not Advanced Warfighter. Let's be fair about it. It's 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 not Graw. This is a different thing. Advanced Warfare and Advanced Warfighter, two totally different things. Right. Both no have brand, drones. No brand confusion whatsoever. None. Whatever. Nobody remembers Graw at this point. Call of Duty is the big thing. They can do whatever they want. And it's called, yeah, it's from uh, Sledgehammer, which uh, they were supposed to have put out a game earlier than this, but uh, they got called in to try and salvage Modern Warfare 3 when Infinity Ward went through, uh, let's call it a transitionary period, and uh, needed some help in order to make sure that game uh, got out the front door, to put a, put it in a way Alex might understand. And uh, yeah, I, I, I did you watch the trailer? I did. Uh, I actually just put it up on the site right before we did the show. It looks uh, like a Call of Duty game. Let's talk about Digital Kevin Spacey for a second, because that is some digital-ass Kevin Spacey in that game. It looks weird. They, these, you know, if games are going to try and ape, you know, not just the voice of, you know, not just use the voice of Kevin Spacey, but also incorporate Kevin Spacey as though he is acting in this game. Yeah. Man, they got to go full on with that motion capture stuff, because... As the fidelity of everything increases, it looks super weird for it to not just look like Kevin Spacey and getting all the nuance in, in his facial expressions. It just it looks stiff and, and odd and robotic in a way that, uh, oddly enough, allows me prevents me from buying into the idea that Kevin Spacey is in this video game. Yeah, I mean... You know, the, the the obvious example of that is Beyond, which, you know, for all its failings as a game, the one thing it did really, really well was the motion capture acting stuff. Like, the, the, the characters in that game moved in a fairly believable way. You know, occasionally the Uncanny Valley thing would shine through, but for the most part, like, they did a lot with the faces and the animations to make it feel like these are digital actors versus just, like you know, hand-animated computer people that sort of look like the actors you remember. And, I mean, I don't know. They didn't show enough of Kevin Spacey necessarily to really get a great sense of what they did and did not do with that character. The face looks fine. I immediately recognized it as Kevin Spacey, so there is that. Um, and I I don't know. I kind of love the fact that they got Kevin Spacey to be in a Call of Duty game. I mean, I guess, you know, whatever. He's doing, you know, Netflix TV at this point. He's kind of doing whatever he feels like. I'm sure they paid him a buttload of money for that. Um... I, you know, maybe he'll make a really interesting villain. Kevin Spacey usually makes a pretty good villain. He was the best part of Superman Returns by, like, millions of miles. You know, so I, I he can play that kind of shitty, you know, scumbag character. I, maybe that'll be interesting. I don't know. I don't know if the rest of the game around it is gonna be. They're blowing up the Golden Gate Bridge again. That's great. Not like we haven't done that a million fucking times before. But sure, why not? Let's do it again. Yeah. I don't, I don't have... A whole lot of thoughts on a new Call of Duty game. I feel like like any extended discussion about a new Call of Duty game is just going to me go sighing and sort of shrugging <laughs> my shoulders. Uh, it's just those games are not for me. I do not begrudge anyone that continues to enjoy them. I wish they took bigger risks in the gameplay, given that you know they have this huge platform to try interesting things. They have enormous budgets, but also you know. You know, well, no, this isn't even, they couldn't even use this as an excuse anymore. Before you could say, well, they had to put these games out so quickly uh, that they, they can't really take any any big risks. And no, like they get a full three years to make these games. And the Sledgehammer game is the first one where they're getting a full three-year cycle yeah. uh, to spend time making uh, these games. And yeah, I will say it looks, it looks very pretty. Yeah. It looks very nice. Uh, and I thought it was interesting that the trailer opens with Captured on an Xbox One that reeks of... You know, Microsoft sewing up the same marketing deal they've had with uh, Activision in the past where it is shown on Xbox, it, the DLC comes first on Xbox, and obviously if, you know, it's in Microsoft's interest to try and combat the narrative that the PS4 is more powerful by having impressive new games shown as though they are running on an Xbox One. Yeah, and, you know, I mean, we can talk all we want about how pretty it looks and whatever. Those games live and die by their multiplayer, so until people actually get hands-on with that stuff, like, we don't know anything. The campaign is always just six hours of explodey everything uh, to varying degrees of entertainment, uh, but it's ultimately, they're multiplayer games. They're, that's what people want, and they're not going to show any of that for a while. So, 
Uh, right now, all we know is digital Kevin Spacey and the Golden Gate Bridge is blowing up. And that's all right. That's that's a starting point. That's fine. Whatever. At least they, they have caught my interest in a way that ghosts certainly never did. I'll give them that. Uh, Tagaris four three five says, "I don't get why they still lead with the single player for their big reveals when most people care about the multiplayer." Uh, multiplayer is probably not in a showable state yet. There's there's probably that. Uh, also, single player makes for really good trailers. Yeah, it makes for impressive marketing. Uh, if, if you know, if nothing else, you could imagine that the whole reason they make that single player mode is because. It looks really damn cool to show off. Yeah. Whereas showing a trailer of multiplayer looks really boring. Like yeah. It's just not as nearly as interesting. You know. You know. Yes, watching the Golden Gate Bridge shatter for the millionth time. You know. But now slightly prettier. Yeah. Uh, or more impressive, I guess. Uh, it's. You know. It's the same old thing. But it looks good. It looks cinematic. It lends itself well to advertising. Multiplayer does not do that. Uh, you know. Titanfall you know manage to try and pull that off and maybe they show you know a way that that does work but uh, i think call of duty you know relishes in the spectacle that yeah. that single player shows off and i wouldn't be surprised if statistically speaking more people play that single player than we probably think as big as the multiplayer actually is i remember this i don't know the exact numbers and i can't remember where this came from but i remember there being some statistical thing that said that like between Battlefield and Call of Duty, the percentage of people who never touch the single player is kind of crazy high. Like, it's not 50% or anything like that, but it was surprisingly high number of people that just never touched it, uh, which is, I don't know. I mean, I guess not surprising that they still continue to make those campaigns, but it probably also explains why those campaigns have gotten a lot shorter and a lot less, you know, involved as the years have gone on. It's just, it's a, at a certain point, they're just tech demos for the engine more than anything else. Yeah, so <clears throat> there's another Call of Duty game. It's yeah. coming out. I I didn't play the last one. Did you play the last one? No. No, the last uh the last Ghost. Call of Duty I actually played the whole way through and played a bunch of the multiplayer of I think it was like Modern Warfare One. So Oh, okay. Yeah. So you but you've taken a long break. Yeah, I mean I've played some multiplayer in some of those other games, uh, but I haven't really played through one of those campaigns or really gotten involved in a Call of Duty thing in years, so Yeah. You know, I I I fully skipped the last one because uh, Ghost was basically universally panned uh as, as even being interesting on you know, as a curiosity. Yeah. But uh you know, maybe, you know, the fact that, you know, Advanced Warfare is coming out in next gen systems, you know, maybe I you know, it'll be worth it just for the next gen spectacle of it, yeah. but uh, I don't know. There just seemed like there were better ways to spend six hours than uh, than playing through a rote single player that I, I will just complain about. <laughs> I think that's fair. Uh, there's a more interesting piece of news that I'd like to talk about, uh, which you wrote about this week. Uh, let's talk about how Zenimax is apparently trying to claim ownership of everything John Carmack has ever done uh, since they've they've they owned the company he used to work for. Uh, yeah. What's going on with that situation? So the Wall Street Journal reported earlier this week that John Carmack, who uh, as of last summer joined Oculus formally, but was you know a well-known VR aficionado, had built some of his own homemade prototypes, <clears throat> and Zenimax is arguing that Oculus could not have produced the prototype that has gotten them so much attention uh, that led to the sale to Facebook or would have led to the sale to someone else, most likely, uh, without John Carmack's involvement. Uh, and that when John Carmack left uh, to go to Oculus formally, uh, he took proprietary material that was built within Zenimax's walls uh, to to Oculus uh, and has uh, you know led to Oculus having a you know a several billion dollars sale to Facebook, and if you you know read the particulars of the Wall Street Journal report, they mentioned that Oculus has tried to resolve this with Zenimax uh, in in the past. They offered an equity stake in uh, Oculus as a company. Uh, they've offered uh, you know probably other forms of that deal, but Zenimax uh, has never been satisfied with that. And you know now conveniently with a sale to Facebook, uh, Zenimax you know they want to. It doesn't seem like they want to take the tech back they just want some of that sweet sweet cash they just want a piece of it because he was writing code or at least doing some stuff uh that is being you know sort of parlayed into this uh 
you know, the current uh, Oculus tech while he was working at Zenimax, which I guess I get, you know, I mean, as a corporate entity, if one of your former employees, one of your most uh, cherished and, you know, well-known employees jumped ship to another company where he presumably was doing some work for that company while they were still working for you. Yeah, if I was a corporate lawyer, I'd be like, fuck yes, we should be getting money from this. Uh, that doesn't necessarily mean they actually should be getting that uh, or, you know, that this is in any way a legitimate lawsuit, but I can totally understand their reasoning as a corporation as a corporation, your job is to get that money wherever you can, and this is a, a situation where it seems like they are trying to get some of that money. Yeah, so, like, the timeline is that, like, long before Carmack got involved at, formerly at Oculus, uh, Palmer Lucky, who is the, the founder of Oculus, sent uh, John Carmack a prototype. And yeah. part of, you know, the, the prototypes that Carmack himself was showing, the ones he sort of home-built, you know, was based on that Oculus technology, and then that stuff went back to Palmer Lucky and informed, you know, the prototype that was created. Uh, so it was, here's a, a statement from from Zenimax, which says, uh, "The proprietary technology and know-how Mr. Carmack developed when he was a Zenimax employee and used by Oculus are owned by Zenimax. Well before the Facebook transaction was announced, Mr. Lucky acknowledged in writing Zenimax's legal ownership of this intellectual property." It was further agreed that Mr. Lucky would not disclose this technology to third persons without approval. Oculus has used and exploited Zenimax's technology and intellectual property authorization, compensation, or credit to Zenimax. Zenimax and Oculus previously attempted to reach an agreement whereby Zenimax would be compensated for its intellectual property through equity ownership in Oculus, but were unable to reach a satisfactory resolution. Zenimax believes it is necessary to address these matters now and will take the necessary action to protect its interests. Yeah. Uh, Carmack put out a tweet uh, that essentially functioned as his official comment uh, yesterday uh, in which he wrote, uh, no work I've ever done has been patented. Zenimax owns the code that I wrote, but they don't own VR. Which yeah. he kind of in some way seems to be saying that Zenimax might have a point. Yeah. I feel like he is sort of acknowledging that, you, you know, he may have done some work that maybe Zenimax would. And obviously if if – if Oculus was engaging with active negotiations with Zenimax to offer equity, yeah, on some level, Oculus has already admitted culpability in in this and wanting to bury this part of the story uh, so they can move on and you know continue to allow Oculus to uh, try and become what it's what it's striving for. But between Carmack's tweet and you know Zenimax, you know, saying they were in active negotiations, seems to suggest there is. Uh, some smoke to this fire and you know how it gets resolved you know it doesn't seem to be that Zenimax has an active interest in saying they want to take over VR and make right. their own virtual reality uh, device but you know whatever equity was being offered was not enough that they felt adequately covered the amount of contributions Carmack had to the early development of the Oculus prototype yeah, I mean, whatever. In the end, this is going to probably just end with some kind of settlement where they get a decent chunk of money, maybe some, you know, ongoing profits from the whole thing. But regardless, John Carmack still no longer works at id. He is now at Oculus. You know, th them getting some money does not necessarily, you know, fix the greater thing, which is that, you know, they've, they've been kind of bleeding talent from that, that studio for a while, and Carmack leaving was still, like, a huge blow to them. Um... So they'll get some money out of it, and that's great, but uh, Carmack is still gone, and he's still working at Oculus, and, you know, all this does is just kind of make them look a little bit bitter in the end. But, you know, if they get paid, I guess maybe that's worthwhile. Let's see. So there's some people in the chat pointing out some other tweets from, from Carmack. Uh, he, uh, he writes, Oculus uses zero lines of code that I wrote while under contract to Zenimax. Well, that's pretty so, specific. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, pointing out that... But, you know, that doesn't mean that lines of code that he wrote weren't used in the development and those codes just came out you know right. i mean it seems like it seems like there's something to this um it could but, be. you know obviously i haven't looked at you know i don't i don't know carmax you know whatever he signed i don't i don't know exactly you know i don't know a lot of the particulars obviously these companies are going to be shouting cuz neither wants to give any ground um but on the surface it does seem like Zenimax uh, may have a point and you know it's going to get settled Facebook has got that Facebook money uh, they're you know they clearly have a vested interest in the future of Oculus so I don't think this is going to prove to be anything more than a bump in the road uh, but it does you know it is an interesting 
wrinkle in the saga that is, you know, Oculus making its transition to the mainstream. Yeah. Uh, in other news, Disney Infinity 2.0 has been announced. Yeah. Uh, it will be coming this September. Uh, I apparently was, was that was nailed down on some kind of web stream over the last day or so, uh, and it will feature. It will be coming to the Xbox One and PS4, and it will feature characters from the Marvel Universe uh, at the big press conference where there was not nearly enough John Vignaki for my tastes. If I'm being completely honest here, uh, they showed off the Avengers, they showed off Loki, they showed off Modok, which is surprising for so many reasons. Uh, and they did a little teaser for Spider-Man. All those characters coming to Disney Infinity. Patrick, you don't actually play that game, do you? No. John Vinaki sent me, gave me a set, but it's it's kind of just sitting in a a bag. <laughs> I've tried it. It's okay. Like it's an all right game uh, for being, you know, a toys to life type game. Uh, there's, n- I mean, the toy box stuff is neat, and but the actual like game parts are not super interesting to me. Um, it sounds like some of the changes they're making for the 2.0, where there's like, uh, they're 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 differentiating the characters more in terms of like their abilities. Like they're adding some stuff to the gameplay that I think will probably make it more interesting. It sounds like the toy box mode is getting a pretty decent revamp. So, you know, yeah, I I like I like those changes, and that will probably get me to at least try it again. Uh, but you know, I I played some of it and was like, okay, this is cool, and then I never touched it again, which I feel sort of bad about. Well, you know, yeah, the game part does not seem like the strong suit of uh, the Infinity Games. It's uh, how much you want to engage with the collection aspect. And I don't want to engage with the collection aspect at all. I I don't want to be too harsh in my assessment of it, but I think it is a giant waste of time and Mm. money. Uh, I do not see the appeal of spending that much money on a, proprietary piece of software where you can't do much else with these little figures but that's just me i'd probably be different if i had kids yeah i I definitely see the appeal there but as someone that doesn't have that hook i have zero interest in spending hundreds of dollars on little figures that interact with a game that just doesn't seem that great I think I would be more way, way more into it if I was still into figure collecting and I was also still into Disney. Uh, I mean, I like, you know, Monsters, Inc. And I like, you know, some of the like the Incredibles, but like I don't need to own figurines of that stuff like that doesn't really hold much appeal for me anymore. If I was like 11 or 12 or even like a little bit younger than that, this would be the greatest fucking thing that ever existed. It, it, yeah, it no, would be, totally. But at the same time, I would still be a little bit disappointed by the figures. They're cool looking, but they're non-articulated in any way. And that was something that always drove me a kid, a crazy as a little kid was figures that don't move at all or do anything other than just kind of sit there. Like, I don't like I never liked entirely stationary figures. And I I'm sure that maybe kids now just don't give a shit about that. I don't know. But like that used to drive me absolutely nuts as a kid. If I got a figure that didn't move like that ruined it all for me and i don't I, I i wish the i wish the figures were better that's that's what it boils down to on skylanders on infinity whatever else yeah yeah and i think that's a totally valid critique if you know that, that they don't you know not that you're going to sit around and necessarily like play with these figures but like you could do more with them you could you know set them up you can pose them they're they're at least a little more interesting uh you know if I, I was I, a kid i would be rip shit about it because i would want to play with those things but i would right. hate it I'm not going to play with any figures now because I'm 32 goddamn years old. And if I start doing that, please put me in a fucking hospital until I'm cured of that shit. <laughs> but, you know, like there is, you know, I've uh, a couple of times been at a uh, friend's place in Chicago and they, they're, there's a cousin that comes over and they have a couple of kids and they are obsessed with Skylanders. And it yeah. is magical to watch how into they are, this, this idea of just putting this figure down watching it appear on the screen and then grabbing the controller and and running them around like there is something amazingly cool about that yeah uh, I just it doesn't seem like it's cool beyond that these, these games you know it seems like the Skylanders games are probably better games yeah. than than the infinity series uh, whereas in you know the infinity series has the cooler set of characters because you actually have nostalgia or uh, you know, feelings towards, you know, a lot of these different characters from different worlds from the, the Disney universe, but it's not as good of a game. And so yeah. maybe there's a world where 
these combined together and there's one that that grabs me but i doubt it i you know i'm just i'm not a collection guy to begin with i i purge stuff on a regular basis i i keep the things that i i own pretty slim and so these games just sort of fundamentally have have no appeal to me whatsoever yeah, but. I mean, I, I wrote an editorial about how, how cool I thought the concept was when they announced Infinity, and I, I, I still think the concept is great for kids and something that I would have certainly loved when I was younger. I like the idea of what, like, what they talked about as far as the changes to the game. Uh, it sounds like it will be more of a game now, which is good. Uh, but yeah, I mean, obviously this is this is past my my point of, of super interest in this kind of thing. Uh, but I also wasn't writing about games when I was ten, so you know, wouldn't have done anyone any good any, anyway. I was pretty close. Yeah, that's right. Well, I mean, you're only 16 now, so which I still don't understand how you got married with with that. You know, I don't know how you got around that law, but I do. Uh, there's some discussion in the chat happening about a game that I have uh, some deep deep nostalgia for. Is the Monster Hunters or not or Monster Rancher series? Oh, Sorry. Monster Rancher, yeah. Which man, I was so into the first couple of Monster Rancher games. So if people aren't familiar, the Monster Rancher games were uh, sort of Pokemon. Uh, uh, like uh, games from Tecmo, in which you collected monsters and you know fought them in an arena and and things of that nature. But the hook was, you popped open the PlayStation, put in an audio CD, and audio CDs would generate monsters in your game. So you know this is at a time when most kids or you know, adults had dozens, if not hundreds, of CDs because it yeah. was just the way you listened to music. And you know putting in you know, Weezer or Aerosmith or whatever and getting a monster to come out of it, that was so damn cool. I, I loved that hook so much, even if I, I was less into the game as yeah. much as I was into putting audio CDs, having friends bring over stacks of audio CDs and just seeing what came out of it. That, to me, is the greatest tragedy of the death of physical media, which is to say that it's not really that much of a tragedy that physical media is dying but I do, I, I loved that aspect. I loved the whole, you know, custom levels, depending on what CD you put in for Vib Ribbon. Like, that was the kind of shit I was way, way into years and years ago when CDs mattered. Uh, you know, I could put in my, my dad's fucking, you know, shitty old Eric Clapton records and get, you know, worthwhile, you know, things out of this game. I thought that was pretty great. But now no one has CDs anymore. What's the equivalent? Are you just sorry, feeding MP3s into the game and then it just somehow makes something off of that? No, not going to happen. I mean, well, you see some game, you know, music games that try to do that. What's the, uh, mm, the PC game that you, it'll like read your music library. It's like oh, a, well, uh, Audio Surf. Yeah. But you're actually playing those songs that yeah, you know you yeah. feed in there. You're not getting like a you're not getting weird monsters or vib ribbon levels out of the MP3s that you're tossing in there. Yeah, man, Monster Rancher, what a good game. Yeah, it was, well, I mean, it was it was an okay game, but it was a great concept. I wonder, I wonder if that even works on an emulator. I wonder if it's able to read CDs and and pull that off, or if that's something that's you a could good only question. Strictly, strictly do on. It's not that. Not that this PC I'm on has a, a disk drive. I, I've been meaning to buy one for the couple of games that I have that I would need to install uh, disk stuff. But, uh, yeah, I wonder if that would work on an emulator. Hmm. Yeah. Do you see that uh, sounds like No One Lives Forever is going to rise from the dead? Uh, yeah, what is up with that? It's just registering of trademarks, right? So, yeah, that trademark has been dead for uh, a long, long time. Fox Interactive owns that. Uh, the the rights to Known This Forever, even though that was a uh, Vivendi game that should have theoretically gone to Warner Brothers as a result of uh, you know various various uh, sales and, and things of that nature. Warner Brothers either d- didn't pick it up or doesn't care, uh, and the, the trademark was la- you know last listed as being owned by Fox Interactive. Mm. But uh, I don't have the company's name in front of me, but it's the company that brought back System Shock Two, basically uh, that found a way to unearth that. Uh, make that available on uh, Steam and other services. They just recently filed a bunch of trademarks or updated trademarks uh, for No One Lives Forever, and it seems like that is going to come back. They have uh, they released a statement to Polygon that said, we would love to see the No One, Li- no One Lives Forever franchise come back in a, a form that people could play because we love those games or you know something along those lines. Yeah. And that just seems like a, you know, don't look at us so that they can properly announce something uh, in the near future, but it does seem like No One Lives Forever is coming back. Uh, I don't remember those games very well, but I know they have extraordinarily uh, devoted followers, and it was back at the uh, oh Night Dive Studios, as 
and the chat points out uh, is the studio responsible for this uh it is a game or at least a series that i would love to play because i've heard nothing but good things and i don't remember them at all yeah i have very little experience with, with no one lives forever uh i remember watching other people play those games go oh that looks like fun and then i just never got into it but uh i realized that a lot of people have very very positive memories of that that series so now, I, this could just as easily be them just re-releasing the old games, right? Oh, no, like, that's what this is going to be. Yeah, please do yeah. not misinterpret. This is not a new No One Lives Forever game. Yeah. This will be No One Lives Forever 1 and 2 coming out on good old games and, you know, Steam and, and things like right. that. But and, and made to work on modern hardware. But that is still, like you know. That's a start. There's nowhere for people to play these games. And while the PC is... You know, better than consoles at allowing players to play archived material, old games. Uh, there still needs to, you know, be work done when trademarks lapse and there is no easy way to purchase them. You know, it's it's what leads people to, you know, you can't blame them for torrenting the game uh, because there's no easy way to to buy the game um, and uh, or have it run on, you know, modern hardware. So it seems like we're gonna get that for Knownless Forever and that. That just makes me think of Shogo, which I'm sure that game is not any good. But man, mm. I liked, I liked me some Shogo at the time. I don't even remember Shogo. To be honest, that was Monolith Robot game. Oh yeah, I never played that. Ah, oh, Shogo was great. Yeah. Or, or it probably wasn't. It was probably bad. But I, Shogo was great. Okay. Well, I'll I'll take your word for that. Anything else in the news? Anything else of interest going on? Disney Vinny, Call of Duty. You finished that horrible Blair Witch game, right? <laughs> yeah, I finished. It. Uh, I think the archive should be up on the, the site is. right it's about now. now, actually. Um, yeah, I finished that horrible uh, Blair Witch game. I made another terrible decision. I texted you about it earlier this week. You seemed yeah, pretty you excited so about it. So let's talk about this for a second, okay? Because mm-hmm. I'm, I'm a little upset with you. I'm going to be completely honest. Uh, we had a talk. We were talking about old TV, and uh, somehow Prison Break came into the conversation, which I don't remember. Uh, You were talking about how much you wanted to go back and watch the the Prison Break you had not watched, which I guess was the later seasons. Um, No, I was. It was. I have seen the conclusion of Prison Break, the television show. Oh, it was the movie, right? They put out a direct to DVD film after the fact. The Prison Break, the final break. Yeah, and you great name. And so you went. And you paid money for the Prison Break movie. Now, Patrick, we established... Let's be clear. I paid a dollar and five cents. Yeah. I had a gift card. I could have spent it on many other things that were more worthwhile and enriching to my life. But I bought Prison Break, the final break, on a DVD. Now, Patrick, we've established before that even you agree that most of Prison Break was pretty fucking awful, right? Yeah, no, definitely. <laughs> so, naturally, the correct thing to do when presented with this understanding uh-huh. is to buy more fucking Prison Break, right? Yeah. Yeah. Why? There, these are the I sorts ha- of things where, like, uh, like you, you spend that money, you press that button to buy the fucking Prison Break movie, uh-huh. and a government robot shows up and just says, you can't use money anymore. It just takes all your fucking money. That's it. That's the end. You're, you've lost this responsibility. But I have to know how it ends. So, I was... I, I... Oh, no. Well, I guess... Let's just talk about Prison Break. Let's talk about our favorite moments in Prison Break. Uh, what's your favorite moment in Prison Break? Uh, call in. Uh, let me know what your favorite moment in Prison Break is. We'll, we'll chat through the seasons. We'll, uh, we'll, we'll really just talk it through. We'll, we'll reminisce. So this all started because of 24. I was... Uh... Hey, Alex. No, keep talking. Uh-huh. So, so 24 comes back next week, uh, which is also a show that got real bad, real, real bad, yet kept going for a long time. Uh, but now 24 is returning. And that got me, uh, you know, amongst a series of beers, talking to a friend of mine who very much loves 24 as well and very much enjoyed early prison break uh, as much as I did. And he said, hey, like, you ever watch that directed dvd movie? And I said, no. And then I said, I've probably had enough to drink that I should buy it. And then I did. It's a good story. It's a great story. It's fantastic. Totally justifies 
that horribly stupid purchase. I look forward to hearing back. I, I, you know what? I, I can't wait to have you come back on this show and explain how that movie redeemed all of Prison Break and somehow made it good and therefore made that purchase worthwhile and how you are bettered as a person knowing how Prison Break ends. What if I can't guarantee any of these things? Well, then maybe you made a mistake. Uh, Prison Break, the final break. I'm looking at it. I didn't. I didn't buy the Blu-ray. I don't know if I bought the Blu-ray. <laughs> you don't I, know what you bought. You don't know what you're doing. Not 100 percent sure. Special features, none. This is the part where the drone crashes through the fucking window and takes all your money. That's it. The federal government can't touch Michael Schofield, so they're going after the woman he loves. When Sarah is arrested for murder, only Michael can rescue her and their unborn child from an impenetrable women's prison. With a price on Sarah's head and time running out, Michael must rely on his deadliest enemies to help attempt the most daring breakout ever. Uh, Four stars. This is truly for the fans, says Errolf. We're just going to start reading Amazon instant reviews. Yeah, let's do that. Let's keep tumbling down this prison break hole for as long as humanly possible. What are you going to do this weekend? Other than I'm going to watch the prison break, break obviously. Yeah. Uh-huh. No. Uh, what am I going to do this weekend? Uh, I'm finally moving a bunch of crap into storage this weekend, uh, so I will have a cleaner apartment, which is nice. Uh, of course, hopefully I will be healthy enough to actually move things tomorrow, but we'll see. Uh, other than that, I'm going to finish Child of Light. Uh, I am going to play a lot more Hearthstone, almost assuredly. And... That's probably about it. What do you got? I'm probably going to play the more Child of Light. The, the fact that you have revealed it is like 10 hours long. Has, yeah. That, <laughs> that's probably the last thing I wanted to hear about Child of Light was that, you know, I'm only one-fifth through it. So I'll probably keep playing it, though. I'll probably finish it. I, I'll, yeah. Or at least get through a, a more significant chunk. I, but as we pointed out, I have trouble stopping things, so I might as well just instead of pretending I'm not going to finish Child of Light, I'm going to finish Child of Light. Okay, that's good. Uh, uh, and I will probably play a lot of uh, Hearthstone as well. I've also had an itch. Maybe it's because I'm just playing Hearthstone. Uh, I never played Diablo three, mm. and people seem to like that game. I like Diablo games, so I'm considering I'm considering playing Diablo. I think I'm gonna wait for the PS4 version of that because um, mm. that'll have the the deal the, whatever the expansion content is too. Yep. And I feel like that is a I, I will probably play that more likely to play that on my PS4 than I am on my PC. Uh, so I will play that eventually as well. I'm I'm curious about it. Uh, I was reminded also that uh, Extreme Rules WWE Extreme Rules uh, is on this weekend, which I'm actually gonna watch for the first time in forever because I have the WWE Network now and I can watch all their shitty pay per views uh, as well as WrestleMania now. So. I'm totally going to do that uh, somewhere in between also watching Game of Thrones. And also look out for a new Power Bombcast later today, which I will edit together whenever the hell Jeff sends me the audio file for this, and I can actually edit it. Um, but uh, that will be today, so look out for, for that. Alex, are you going to go see the new Spider-Man, says Hammond of Texas? I don't know. I didn't so watch... I, I haven't seen the first one. <laughs> no, I didn't watch the original Amazing Spider-Man Um and I, you know, like I was kind of done with Spider-Man by the time three rolled around for obvious reasons. Uh, one, uh, Amazing Spider-Man sounded like it was just like a perfectly safe but not terribly remarkable reboot. Two sounds like it gets into some weird Batman Forever territory with the number of villains it throws at you and just the sheer campiness of it, which almost sounds appealing, but not necessarily enough to get me to go pay theater prices for it. So I'll probably watch that later on. Yeah, maybe I will... I will celebrate the release of The Amazing Spider-Man 2 by finally paying $5 on iTunes to watch The Amazing Spider-Man 1. I just, I even though there were several years in between Spider-Man 3 and The Amazing Spider-Man, like the idea of another origin story could not have been less appealing. Yeah. It was, you know, so transparently a cash grab to keep the rights from reverting back to Marvel and er, the entire way they talk about expanding this universe to try and ape what Marvel is doing, despite the fact they're doing it with a Marvel character. All of it is just so transparently gross and exploitative. The only thing that makes me sort of excited is that, you know, 
Drew Goddard is writing and directing Sinister Six, and yeah. I really, I really, really like. Did I you hear right? about the the stinger scene for that movie? So there is like a post credit sequence, but the only way you can watch it is if you use the Shazam app while the credits are rolling. And it recognizes that the credits of Spider-Man 2 are rolling, and then it will play that scene on your phone, because fuck you. That's why. Yeah, that's really Transmedia, gross. motherfuckers! <laughs> <laughs> Alright, we're, we're, shutting, we're shutting this down. I, yeah. I feel like I'm going to get sick through you. Uh, I, didn't, I don't think that's possible on the internet, but you're, I think you're making a, a I'll find a way. case. I'll find a way. Uh, so that is, that is Bomb in the Am with Scoops and the Wolf. Uh, Alex, I will... If if you're still around, I will I'll talk to you on Monday. Oh. <coughs> 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 <coughs>